Hello and welcome to the Performance Through Health podcast. We aim to inspire and educate our listeners through engaging conversations on all things health and fitness, mindset, business and philosophy. My name is Martin McPhillamy and I'm your host and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome back to the Performance Through Health podcast and today I have a very special guest. I have Nat Burton on. Nat is a um, professional basketballer and I, I believe now you're trying to transition into more of a, a coach and a mindset coach for, for, for youth athletes, right? Yeah, like a mentor. Mentor. Yeah. So going into mentorship and uh, we spoke at the Breakfast Club a couple of weeks ago and we started to go a little bit into it and I was like, ha, this is going to be pretty cool for, for a podcast. So um, I kind of want to go into straight away, I guess what the reason you're going into that is because you've seen throughout your career a lack of that maybe or, or um, where, is, where is the idea to get, get into help children with their mindset and stuff at a young age? Where does that come from? It's mostly come from me, my own struggles. Okay. So um, I've had so much experience at all levels in um, basketball, specifically in Western Australia and higher. And I kind of felt like I stumbled my way through and I reached high levels, but I kind of didn't know how I got there. Okay, um, interesting. I, yeah, I looked back and I, I like to journal a lot. So I started like taking, figuring out the lessons that I had learned in, through my experiences and, and figuring out how I overcome them or still struggled with mm. them. Uh, and then I thought, well, I know I struggled with it, so I know all these other kids are struggling with it. And I went through it without realizing it was normal to struggle with confidence. Yeah. I thought I was just yeah. weak-minded and yeah, had no okay. resilience. And so now that I as I get older and my career is starting to wind down, I just want to I want to help the younger athletes who are, I know are going through the same things that I went through and hopefully make their experience like more enjoyable. Yeah, of course. And help them reach whatever heights they want to reach, but also understanding that it's not just about basketball. Like I'll be mentoring and coaching a lot of kids who won't make it to college or won't make it professional, but they can hopefully take the lessons that they learn in sport mm-hmm. outside of that. I think that's massive. Uh, I always put my uh, my my hard work and ethic outside of of work down to being a, you know an athletic individual when I was younger. In school, uh, I did enjoy sports, all sports, and I was very competitive in terms of my fitness. So, yeah. like you now, you know, I go to the gym a lot and train that. But I always see how that transitions into work ethic outside. I kind of yeah. see it as. Uh, it's, it's kind of how much are you willing to suffer and put yourself through pain to kind of go into that zone and then be able to perform. It's very similar. It transitions to every part of life. So yeah. I definitely get what you mean there. Yeah. So what sort of um, challenges did you face in your career? Uh, we'll go actually first, we'll go into your career. So yes. take us to the journey through your career and how you got into basketball to begin with. Okay. And then we'll um, go into the challenges a bit later. I was always very active. Um, my parents always encouraged that in all different sports. Um, and then I think when I was 12, well, I was always tall. Um, but okay. 12, you know, you started to really see, okay, she's actually going to be tall. Um, and so mum tried to get me to the sports where that was useful, netball, basketball. So I played both for a while. Uh, and then I didn't like netball. It was too... Um, 
controlling and confined compared to basketball. Not free flowing enough. Yeah. yeah. You can go out and hit people in basketball. <laughs> not that I do that. But I mean, it's, no. a non-ca- it's a non-contact sport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think she was in the game last night. Um, so I played basketball and I just played it because I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I had friends in there and... Um, Eventually, I started to make it up to the next level. It's like I'm talking wobble, which is like not domestic basketball. It's just slightly more refined. Yeah, okay. The next level up. So yeah. still young and lower levels, but um, realizing that I had that, I just wanted to get better whatever level I was playing at. And that kind of drove me all the way through. So I just had the natural progression. I played um, state teams. Well, mm. This is my first state team tryout and then made the last three. Um, started to play... State Basketball League, so SBL, uh, which is the top non-professional level in WA. Okay. Um, and then I started to try out for the WNBL, which is the top professional level. Um, and I was 19 at that time. And then I realised that if I wanted to make this level and be good at that level, mm. um, not just be a fringe player, then I yeah, had yeah. to go to college in America because there was nothing for me in, yeah, wow. yeah, in WA to... There's a gap there. Yeah. You know? um, so I went to college at West Virginia University. Oh, nice. Yeah, for four years. Uh, that was intense. It was tough. It was um, really rocked my confidence, but it was also amazing. Mm. And I know I'm the player I am now because of that experience. Yeah, okay. So you, you, you obviously me moving away from the UK to here, mm. probably a similar thing happens. I think you go away uh, as an individual and you you separate from everything that's going on. You're in a different culture. You're, you're around different people. Uh, I felt exactly the same. Like when I came here, I was like, my confidence went, ooh. But now I'm like, it's the best thing I've ever had. So what, when you say you, 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 it knocked your confidence, mm. what, what particularly was it? Was it the standard of players over there compared to the standard of players here or was it just being on your own? It was mostly the basketball side of things. Mm. Um, so going over there and just into an intense environment where you're there, your body is to be used to win games. And if you're sore, if you're injured, that just get ready for the game. We don't care. Okay. (laughs) The recovery side of things is, is like, you're, you're a body that is a professional that you've got to go and work as hard as you can. And then you've got to play as hard as you can. Yeah. And they just, you just push to extremes. Um, they think more is best and they think the more they yell at you, the harder you'll go. Wow. And that's really good for you. Yeah. But it's not good for everyone and it didn't work for me. Okay. And I was recruited to a place where they wanted me to be a big, strong, like, um, post player mm-hmm. and that's not me. Um, I didn't know that at that time. I thought I was, that's where the confidence thing came in. I couldn't be what my coach wanted me to be. Mm. And the coach-player relationship is really interesting um, and I couldn't please the person who was almost a father figure yeah. to me. I couldn't please him. Um, and there was just constantly that never being good enough. Yeah, okay. And so I didn't um, – it fed my limiting belief of not being good enough. Mm. Um, it was confirmed every single day. And I just – the last two years of that, I didn't I didn't really play much because I was recruited over. And yeah, wow. So, although I was doing all that training and it was still making me a better player, I just wasn't – when it goes actually into the performance and actually oh, the game and yeah. stuff, you were you were low confidence mindset wise. Yeah, well, I didn't really get on the court, but I didn't want to get on the court. Ah, yeah. The court, then yeah, yeah. Stuff up and you, yeah, so you were, shocking 
impersonate a, a, a what's it called um, imposter syndrome yeah. like that sort of thing it's like yeah. wow I'm in America now um, I'm actually trying to go for this in terms of building me to become a professional basketballer and then you go to someone who is trying to change who you believe mm-hmm. you are yeah. uh, and which is, goes against like you say just all your limiting beliefs like, I don't yeah. want to be this individual yeah. what did you learn from that it took me a long time to learn from it yeah. to realize the lesson I had learned, yeah. which was... Did you have to come back here to reflect on that and learn yeah, on that? Yeah, I had to play for years. Yeah, okay. I had to go to Europe, actually, to realize... And that was only recently, though, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, last three years I've been in Europe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so I was always carrying that limiting belief or the confidence, mm. lacking of the confidence around I'm not being good enough. And I had to realize that so many things. <laughs> the biggest one was it took away from the joy that I have for basketball. So whenever I'm thinking outside, trying to get that validation from my coach, trying to prove to just random people in the audience who mm. I don't know, who I've never met, who, who share their opinion with me um, or don't share it, but I assume what their opinion is. Um, when, I, when you're outside your head, you're always trying to be someone you're not. Mm. And when you're inside, then you can find that love. So finding the, the specific things in basketball that I love doing and trying to make that my focus. Which are? Which are diving on the loose ball, getting yeah. the court burn because I, you know. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Getting the rebounds I'm not supposed to get, hitting people, that, you know, yeah. that aggression kind of side. So that was the, the, the part that you love. And the part you do love about basketball, mm-hmm. uh, how does that differ from what they were trying to mould you into in terms of basketball? Because I don't know much about, you know, I know what it is, I know the mm-hmm. game, I've been to watch it, but I, I'm not a basketball player. So how do they separate and what's what's the difference between those two things and what was the challenge in there? I don't think there's a difference because that's what they were always, I think I learned that there. Okay. I learned how to like go hard, harder yeah. than you think you can go and yeah. the body can do more than you think it can and how to push that extra bit when you think you're at your max I learned all those things I learned how to deal with someone yelling at you constantly mm. and still trying to still doing what they want or pushing hard uh, but uh, specifically basketball wise I don't know if I did it there I don't really think I showed that there okay. that fire and was that what they because from what you were saying earlier it's not exactly you were saying they were trying to get you a bit bit, bit, bit more rough and a bit more tough well they were trying to they, so they force protein shakes down oh that okay yes um, okay and to be the player that yeah. was that strong yeah like, trying know, to get you into the gym and like, yeah, like more of a weights rather yeah. than the enjoyment of the game so yeah. it's like I guess that's what professional sports does right so um i remember when rugby turned professional 15 16 maybe even a bit long ago it's like the the players were there for fun but now they're like gym regiment it's like it yeah. changes and you need that mm. to get to the next level but um they in doing that with me they missed my strength which is my speed yeah. my agility yeah okay so they looked at me and they said oh she's six foot four she's mm. gonna she belongs under the basket battling with those big strong players versus She's six four, but look how fast she is. Yeah. Put up her up against someone who's big, strong, and slow, and let's see what happens. So it was always like she has to be like this. Yeah. Otherwise, she's wrong and she's weak. Yeah, 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 so yeah. Look, so they were you. You had your strengths, and they thought they had strengths, yeah. and it was like, okay, well, this is not how I am. This yeah. is not how I'm playing. But I didn't realize that. So yeah. that's I think why it was such a big issue for me is because I didn't know who I what type of player I was or I didn't mm. see that strength within myself or, yeah um, so so like that's um 
Pretty interesting that you've had that mindset as you're going into professional at the age of what, 19, 20 years mm-hmm. old. And, but then you've come to a, a career where you've played to a national level. Yeah. Have you, did, you, did you go to the, Olympic, the Olympics? Yeah. So like, you, it's interesting to, to see to, the words that you use in terms of, I stumbled my way through. Mm-hmm. I don't quite believe that. No, like, I do. Really? <laughs> Well, are you just being humble, like, humble there? Or like, no. Um, I guess if you look back and go, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Is that because you you crit- you're being critical of yourself, though? It's because I wasn't really... It's because I always struggled still with the confidence mm. all the way through it. So it was like every training was a battle with myself to feel like I was good enough and that I deserved to be in that team. Yeah. Um, and then I would hear things that other people said about me being in the team and, I, and that would like confirm that yeah, part of me. Trigger, you know, you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, and, just, yeah. and so it was so easy to fall that. So I stumbled because it was a constant battle to stay up above that and not like completely fall into that. Um, yeah. So how, how do you, you say stumble, but you still continued. Yeah. So how, how do you, when you have that mindset, continue to put the work ethic in to not quit? It was, I just wanted to get better and I wanted to I knew when I was hiding on the court mm. and so it was like I, I knew what my best was yeah and I knew when I was playing the way that I wanted to play or should be playing um and I if I wasn't then it was like come on like you got let's get to that I just always wanted to lift yeah okay yeah because yeah. I knew that being on the court and and being unconfident um, was me like not wanting the ball and not backing myself to do mm. to something good when I had the ball. And so opposite of that was having the ball and being okay with making a mistake and being like courageous. Yeah. So I was always like, if I wasn't, if, if I wasn't there, then I was like, come on, next training, like let's, next game. Like, yeah, let's, yeah, let's yeah. Get it, you know? yeah. So I was always striving to, yeah. to be the best I yeah. could be. And that goes back to the, the point you said at the very beginning where you know, you're a reflective individual. Yeah. I, I remember when I um, started my science science training program to become a sleep scientist. We did a um, like a whole module on reflective pla- practice, mm-hmm. and I wrote a I wrote a paper uh, on on what reflective practice is and talking about how I think sport teaches, especially if you're competitive. Speaks sport teaches you to do that kind of naturally, especially if you're competitive with your own performance. Because, like you said this morning, last night didn't go too well for mm-hmm. you, but you're probably up all night thinking. How can I improve? What can I do to get better? It, it instantly makes you kind of reflective. And I, yeah. said, and I kind of said, like, um, I don't write. I, I'm not a massive journaler. I mean, I write a lot, but not don't really journal on my, my performance yeah. a lot. But up here, I'll be laying in bed all night thinking, okay, what can I do to make better? What can I do? That? And then you take action on that yeah. to go the next steps. Um, I do want to go into the, uh, the Olympics because... Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually, I think the seed for me to come in Australia was Sydney Olympics. Okay. I remember uh, year 2000, yeah, year 2000, wasn't it? I was just finishing primary school and I had my sports day. And that was like the day I found out that I was very athletic compared to the other kids because I won the 100 meters, I won like the cross country, I won like the throwing things. And I was like, okay, well, I'm pretty good at sports here. Three weeks later, I see this big kind of fireworks going off on TV, all these athletes coming on. I'm like, that's like my sports day, but it's like these amazing athletes that have come on. And it just planted a little seed in my head that I always wanted to go to, to Sydney because I thought, I believe Sydney was the central of sports for the world at that time. Australia's gone downhill a little bit now. <laughs> this is back in the UK. But um, what, what's, what's that experience of the Olympics like? It was a bit of 
every single emotion uh, in the world. Yeah. It was amazing and it was surreal. Yeah. Uh, I missed the opening ceremony, so that was that was a, a bummer mm. because it would have been amazing. But I got to the closing ceremony and just like never forget that feeling. And it's still like I still can't believe I went. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like um, I haven't got the Olympic rings tattoo. And that's what we do. Like, yeah, to go to the Olympics. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> still waiting for that day. Because <laughs> I feel like if I get it, then I'll actually remember every day that I went. Yeah. But the other week, I was um, talking to some kids about everything that I've done, my, my basketball career, summarizing it. And then um, I stopped and like they went on with their training, and I was like, I forgot to mention I went to the Olympics. Like, it's huge. Yeah, it's yeah. huge, but I it's so easily forget it because it was also not that. Amazing. Competitively, or yeah, a, a bit of everything. Yeah. Um, we the, the Opals is the Australian women's basketball team. Yep. We uh, they have a rich history of medaling for years and years, and that so that was the first year that we didn't medal, uh, and I was part of that team, and I felt. Yeah! Wow. Like we didn't perform. Yeah. We didn't, and that took away from the experience, although. I feel like it shouldn't, mm. you know, like I still went and, I'm, and I'll be an Olympian for life, but. It's, it's the elite of the elite. Like it's your sport. You, you got to yeah. the, like winning it's obviously the, the pinnacle of, yeah. of everything. Like winning the Olympics is the best, but to get to the Olympics and be competitive there and, and play, that's a huge achievement. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I know that, yeah. but I don't know. You know yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, and I wanted to go and I wanted I would have that vision. And so this is what I mean when I kind of stumbled through it because I look back and I realized that I had, I was doing vision work. So without realizing it, I had um, gone over probably every day uh, for like maybe two, three years before the Olympics, that vision in my head of being at the Olympics and like standing on the podium and getting a medal, mm. like, or at least just being there, and I it would elicit so many emotions in me. That feeling, I would cry just from picturing it, without knowing that I was like a step away from it. Yeah. And then when I, yeah, when I when it came for me and I got there, and you know, it was that's the vision I had, but I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Meet that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Do you think visualization uh, builds in expectation? How do you mean? Like. Because you said you were visualizing standing on the podium, yeah. uh, you're visualizing you you winning, which is which is something that which, which, you know, you're taught to do, isn't it? Yeah. You're taught to visualize yourself yeah. being your best, uh, how it feels, sit sit there. What what does that look like? What does it feel like? Try and um, bring that experience into your nervous system, sort of thing. But in a way, has that built an expectation that you're gonna get there? And then if you don't, is that worse? Yeah, that's really interesting. That's probably something that I struggle with because yeah, yeah I it, there was a level of expectation it wasn't met and that then makes me feel like I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve yeah but then maybe we, I can look at it as in why didn't like what did I do that didn't mm. didn't get me there mm -hmm. and take that lesson from that yeah okay yeah. and did you reflect on that <laughs> it's hard in the team sport <laughs> true yeah. of course it's not just you on the court yeah. is it it's, it's everybody else and but I do I'd love to have my time again. Uh, I know that I would play differently. Yeah. Because I was in my headspace of not 
imposter yeah 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 um, of course you've yeah. gone to rise to that stage you're now at the next step it's like okay i've just stumbled myself to the olympics <laughs> yeah and that's what i felt like when i was there so when it wasn't just the performance side of things it was like being in the village mm-hmm. seeing this amazing having lunch with you saying well not with him like making seeing table, yeah. You know? yeah 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 and like it's a crazy thing in the village because all the other athletes are like fangirls as well yeah really so you have like people at the top of their sport like crowding around you saying bulk because they want his autograph yeah. and it's like whoa yeah we're just i'm surrounded by amazing people right now i've heard it's um a bit of an atmosphere in the in the, in the village yeah. there's, there's a lot going on obviously everyone's yeah. very competitive everyone's yeah. also uh, you know very energetic and thriving and trying to i best i guess trying to compete a little bit within yeah. who who's in the social hierarchy and who's the best in the yeah. group as well yeah i look at it i um felt like I got eaten alive because I'm quite introverted mm. and I was in a world full of extroverts. Yeah. And so I was in the village thinking, I really struggled, um, thinking like, I don't belong here. And uh, to be an elite athlete, do you have to be an extrovert? Do you have to have, that's what I was thinking, like that level of confidence, but mm. almost to the point where it's ego about how good you are mm. in order to perform at that level and I it was my understanding that yes you do yeah okay until I met Kathy Freeman yeah she's um, amazing amazing so we were walking out of our little tower block and she was just there because it was the Australian block so the Australians and she was there to she hangs around and goes there and yeah um, stuff and she, we were walking out she was walking in and we we're like oh it's Kathy Freeman and like oh, oh my gosh you're amazing can we have a photo and she was like you want to play with me? Like, so humble. Really? So she was introverted. She was so the opposite of what I thought you had to be. Mm. Especially in the individual sport. Like, that blows my mind that she could be like that. Yeah, because when you said it earlier, I was thinking maybe in a team sport, you could probably be a little bit more introverted because you might have the extroverts to bring you out. But in individual sport, I expected in my head, thinking if you do want to be the best, you probably got to be extroverted and like yeah. ego. Yeah. But no. No, no. Kathy Freeman, she did it. <laughs> <laughs> Good on her. Yeah. There's, there's probably lots more out there because there to, yeah. at the end of the day, we, athletes are still creating a persona for their performance. Uh, I guess if you're if you're an introverted individual, you could create an extroverted persona that could yeah. allow you to step into that yeah. kind of character that you need to be to perform. Yeah. Um, that's just me thinking out loud. No, I know there's a lot of sports psychology behind that. Yeah, okay. About, um, when you're on the court, in my yeah. case, being having like okay this is this is me on the court yeah and this is me away from the court yes yes it makes sense why uh, there's like nicknames um what's yeah. um kobe bryant's nickname black mamba. the black mamba yeah. that's like a persona that he's yeah. created he even talks about it doesn't yeah. he so he, he he created that um no rest in peace um to become that person he needed to yeah. to be to win yeah. and to be successful mm-hmm. yeah that's it's, it's really interesting um so recently you've just signed, I just saw yesterday you signed for a team in Sydney? Sydney, yes. So you got, have you got to leave? Yes. Oh, really? If it happens. Yeah, okay. We don't know what's happening with the borders and everything. Yeah, of course. Or if we'll go into a hub, we don't know. Yeah, okay. Um, but that will start in pre-seasons in September. Yeah. Pre-seasons mate. in November. Yeah, and is that, is, I don't know, is they the pref, top league, professional top league? Top league, league? Australia, yeah. Uh, MBL, is it? A, a yeah, WMBL? WMBL. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. So when did you, so when did you know about that? Um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so it's recent then. Yeah. Yes. And do you because we were talking a couple of weeks ago and you were 
weren't even thinking about doing much, were you? No, so I was, uh, when I came back from France in December, January mm. last year, I um, had, knew that that was my Europe time done. I just didn't want to be away um, yeah. over there anymore. And I was just starting to figure out that like, life outside of basketball, what's next for me. Um, I felt like I couldn't do that over there. So then I really am a home person. After all my time away, I just want to be home. Um, <laughs> when you live in Perth, <laughs> I think you, you, you're... Oh, you yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is something I've realised. Um, so I was like, I'm not leaving Perth. Uh, but then it, I didn't get a... didn't work out with the Perth team for mm. WNBL. So I was like, okay, then I'm okay with not playing. And I got to that point. Um, I felt really good about it. And then uh offer from Sydney came. And I was like, hmm, Sydney <laughs> I'm interested. Uh, I had to go through the thought process, though, of uh, do do I really want this or is it just because it's an opportunity and yeah. I can never say no to opportunities? Yeah. Uh, and I realised that, you know, I can do what I'm doing here over there um, mm-hmm. in terms of the mentoring and starting that side of things. And uh, I don't ever want to look back and regret not making the most of it. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. Which I struggled with because... I know I know a lot of athletes struggle with it, especially in the basketball community. <clears throat> are they are we playing just because we can? Our bodies can right now, and we should play until we're thirty or whatever. Like that's just what you do. Or or is it time to step away because we're really not enjoying it mm. anymore? Uh, but I can say that I do really want to play one more season. Yeah, that's um, great. Yeah. yeah, so that was the, 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 I guess the challenge there was, is it just because of the ego saying to go and play one more season or do I love exactly. playing and believe in myself to still be able to play one more season, yeah. which is the latter, so that's great. Yeah. Good luck to you. I'm really looking forward yeah. to seeing how it goes, <laughs> honestly. Um, I know we've probably missed quite a lot, but I want to try and get into the conversation that we were going to talk about and that's you know, what you're doing currently or you're you transitioning to in terms of the mindset mentorship. Yeah. Uh, what's What sort of... What sort of challenges do you see in young individuals or younger people most commonly? Uh, most confidence. Yeah. 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 Everyone. Um, I mostly work with a lot of girls at the moment because I'm a girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can see it everywhere. I see it in the smallest decisions on the basketball court. I know why an individual didn't. To chose to um, take one dribble and pass it instead of exploring what they could do is because they lack the confidence, they lack mm. the belief in themselves that that they that it's okay to to have the courage. I look at it like that. Yeah. To have the courage to explore. Yeah. And being okay with if it, you fail, mm-hmm. if you make a mistake or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what sort of conversations or or is is there techniques that you can use with people to to help them with that sort of stuff? It's mostly I'm having conversations with athletes about what's where what is driving their decision making okay so it's a lot around being okay with making a mistake and that sounds so like cliche mm-hmm. but it really is like understanding that yes you might make a mistake but just because you make a mistake it doesn't mean you have to jump to the conclusion that i'm a terrible basketball player i missed one layer oh my gosh everyone's looking at me and they must think that i am so bad and i don't belong deserve to here, yeah. here, which is where my mind would go straight away. And you, when you look at it like that, it's like, duh, like that's stupid. But when you're in that moment and your performance is judged and you're exposed out on that basketball court, you know, if, if you're an accountant and you make a mistake on a computer, you just press back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're a performer on the, 
on whatever stage you're performing on, you make a mistake, you're so exposed. Everyone can see it. Yeah. And so you're constantly um, going between, you know, that external approval, validation versus like why are you doing it? So mm. that's where the conversation should usually. Yeah. So then it's trying to, I guess, change the belief around that yes. and, and where the mind goes when that kind of happens. So when you do make a mistake, uh, like, okay, be aware mm-hmm. that potentially your mind could go into one place where it's saying and drop your performance. All of a sudden you just, your head drops, mm-hmm. you feel terrible. Uh, and then you're letting your team down by doing that, which is a lot of pressure. But knowing that you can rise up and go, okay, I'm just going to forget about that. I'm going to put an extra effort in to then try and recover, yeah. get back, yeah. uh, you know, res- resolve the mistake that I made yeah. is, is where you're trying to move people towards instead. Yes. So there's like, there's that, having those conversations around like what I just said, and then there's the basketball specific. So that's exactly right. So making the mistake, but having the ability to not fall into that trap of, that body language mm. and, and stopping even for a second um, versus like, I have a little technique and it's like you make a mistake or you find your mind going, it's like where's the ball? Like, just ask yourself okay. where's the ball? So it, you automatically you find where that ball is and then you automatically know, okay, I've got to be in help right now yep. or I've got to be up in the lane or I'm doing this, this technical thing in basketball. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I find that one really helpful because it, it helped me a it's- lot. That's a great way um, to shift focus back. Like it's, it's, it's the focus point, isn't it? So obviously, if you make a mistake, you can just completely go off focus and go within. Like, and you have to be present. Like elite sport, often when you're playing and you're in flow state, you're in, you know, you're at your best. You're not aware of any thought or time. It's just all proprioception. It's just all feel. It's just instinct, isn't it? Sort of thing. But then as soon as you shift focus away from that, time exists, fear exists, everything around you exists, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. uh oh. So it's been, that's a great way to to shift focus back. It's like, okay, where's the ball? Yeah, Yeah, that's brilliant. I really like that. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm so interested in that flow state Mm. because I don't know where I learned, I don't know how it happened for me. Um, I also don't know how to teach it. Yeah, okay. Um, so that's where I'm trying to go now. So how do you help someone get into that flow state and keep them there? I think that yeah, that's yeah. a way of keeping them there. Yeah. Like, I know that I um, I've do some mindfulness before. I'll do um, different vision-type work or, like, go through my goals for the game and keep my focus there. But I feel like when you step on that court and you go, it's just you're just there. Mm. You just kind of go with mm. it. But for individuals who are struggling with that, that's where I'm trying to... It's, uh, I think it's difficult if people are struggling mentally. The, mm-hmm. ch- the challenge is obviously not b- being able to shift them from uh, feeling really unconfident straight into a flow state mm-hmm. because that's a, that's a big journey to be able to get there. But it's, I guess, um, from my perspective of what I would think for me, is like you've got unconscious competence, which is... In, like, it just becomes an instinct. You've yeah. practiced things so many times, like 10 hour, 10,000 hour rule or whatever yeah. that, that rule is. That's your ability to then get into flow states because it's just, everything's in the background. You don't have to think about the yes. shot. Yes. Uh, you don't have to think about, you know, when I'm at work, for example, with a patient, I don't have to think about the technical stuff so I can focus on the conversation and the yeah. body language and, and, sure. and, yeah. and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's a, yeah, so I guess it's a long journey. Um, but I've always found when I when I get into flow states, it's something that is just a little bit of a challenge that you're kind of confident you can kind of get get to there, mm-hmm. and 
you, but you're so focused because you, you're, you're in, you know that you can reach that next level. I think it's like a flow state is always taking you a little bit higher than you just are. Yeah. It's like you're connected to something that's just pulling you towards it. Yeah. That's how I feel oh, anyway. Yeah. 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 But for sure, that really resonates with me, that the hours that you put in. And, and that's why in training you have to be so specific so when i'm doing like a one-on-one individual it's like all about where your toes pointing when you do yeah, this okay, and yeah. you know and that's the time to be so specific and to drill it over and over again so that when you get to the game or you get to the where you get to play um you don't have to be thinking about that you don't mm. have to think oh my toes have to point to the baseline oh wait they've lost the ball and they've got to lay up or whatever so yeah that's yeah what <laughs> what um I guess you find it really rewarding because you reflect back on, on your life and then you look at your opportunity to then deliver something to someone that you see in need of an issue that you potentially had. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you find it difficult to uh, separate that you're projecting that onto someone or are you good at kind of just observing and just seeing it? Do you think it comes up in, like, in, in your intuition that you can just see people? I think uh, being introverted somewhat, mm-hmm. uh, love to step back and watch and observe so that's been yeah that's one of my skills yeah i believe so i think i'm i'm an observer for sure i would have to project at some well some situations and if i'm thinking of what i've learned from psychology introversion is is that you're you're seeing or observing it's going within and mm-hmm. unconsciously mm-hmm. you're actually analyzing it yeah and so then it comes up and it's like you then feel it some people feel it, some yes. people think it, yes. and then all of a sudden that comes back out again, and that's when you've made the decision, ah, I resonate with that. Yeah. So it's all internal for yeah, you. Totally. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Mm. That's really good. And it's good because it then becomes quite natural to be able to mentor mm-hmm. that sort of yeah. thing because you're kind of there like, I'd recognise it. I don't know how I recognise that, but this yeah. is... Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and I can relate. And here's this story from when I was at the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, again, yeah. You know? So <clears throat> it's using the basketball experiences, the storytelling to get across to someone. It's something that's more than just basketball, mm. but I'll engage through basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have, you, you've got to put it into the language that they recognize. Yeah. Uh, I think Comrade really taught me that the most in terms of when he comes to our table and he chats, he'll like, when he's talking to a specific individual, he'll change it to relate to, if he's talking to you, he'll talk to basketball. If he's talking to me, he might talk more scientifically or psychologically. He, he'll change his language, which is what you need to do as a coach or mentor, yeah. right? To be able to, to do that. Um, where do you, where do you want to take this? Where do you want to go with it? I see, <clears throat> sorry, it's okay. a lot of decisions being made for athletes by people who are so far removed from the athletes themselves. Mm-hmm. And yet, so I was t- I'm talking sports organisations, clubs, uh, especially in Europe, you know, they're massive. It's so some of the top levels of basketball played in Europe, and yet the people making the decisions are making them purely for a business from business perspective, and they're directly affecting the athletes, they're directly affecting their well-being and how much they enjoy the sport and their bodies. Um, And I want to bridge that gap. I want to influence or to create a culture where the people at the top know or are making those decisions with the athletes' best interests in mind. Mm. Um, Because at the end of the day, if you want... Even if you look at it as a business, from a business perspective, you want to make money, 
So you need your athletes to perform. So shouldn't you be giving them what they need to perform? Yeah. Yes. Duh. Makes yeah. sense. So let's do that instead of doing things yeah. that are the well-being of our athletes. Yeah. So the mentoring side is I will always mentor and I love that one-on-one connection that I have with people and being able to help them with my own experiences. Um, and that's a part of their well-being. So that's it's the bigger picture is the um, going to the organisations to so create a, a Change. change, create change at the top from the experience that you, you've had and yeah. what you vision is, is a potentially a better way to get the better best from the athlete, which which makes sense because it is, it's the same in business, right? You need to build internal, inter, in, inside out. Like I was talking on, on when I talked on uh, Thursday, is like if you look after your people in the business or you look after your network and make sure that you're giving them as much value as possible to get the best out of them, then isn't that as a collective, that's going to be great for business, yeah. sport teams. Right. Yeah. So it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. So I don't, hmm, yeah, because they can only focus, they, because the people who are running it are only, uh, are the managers, uh, they're, they're more administrators, yeah. uh, I'm guessing the businessmen yeah. business so they look externally. How can I bring more into the company here and here and here where it's like, well, rather than how can we actually grow within? And do you think, um, you know, I've just, I only watched a couple of the episodes of that, uh, the Bulls, um, Michael Jordan yes. stuff, yeah. but it kind of looks like that's what they did at that, that period. They were more, they, they had a manager, but they really nurtured as a team mm. and grew as a team and stood by together and yeah. it was like Jordan was like kind of focusing on bringing a pack together and they brought a couple of players and then they dominated for well yeah that's what a great team is and that's the beauty of basketball that's one of the things that I love again mm. um, is that you know putting your body on the line but being exhausted just giving everything with a shared like working towards a shared goal with your teammates and when you have that like they had it's amazing and it's beautiful and it's that's what it's about yeah but when you have you know things that can impact that and from an administration level or when you're trying to create that and you're not given all the resources you need yeah um, that's when it becomes tough yeah it certainly does um a thought just popped up into my mind in terms of I wanted to ask you, do you have like a model of what you do when you bring uh, an individual in or do you just go to to a team and um, you, you just, you're observing and just having a chat with conversations with people? So if, if it's say, for example, if a, if a, um, a parent approached you and wanted to, their, their child wanted to have some mentorship with you, what was the process that they would generally go through to, to reach you? Yeah. So I usually set up a one-on-one meeting with the uh, athlete and just see where they're at, what's going on for them, what's coming up, um, why they're seeking this, uh, my my help. Mm-hmm. And it's usually something quite, oh, I'm really struggling with my confidence or I've just been playing really bad right now. And, and so we go from there. So it's quite, um, I go off of feeling on what I observe. Yeah. I'll have a general like um, outline, like I know that they'll, what I'll do, I'll, they'll need some goals for their focus and that's going to help and we'll have conversations around this, this and this because that's going to help and they'll do yeah. this exercise, you know, but yeah, okay. wherever it goes is depends on yeah. what's coming up for them. So goal setting's a, a, a big thing then? Yeah, and that surprises me because I hate goal setting. <laughs> I hate goal setting. You know, it's such a, growing up in basketball for so long, every team you're with, you have a goal setting session. You know, it's it's become so cliche in that aspect, but lately, like, there's changed for me with my like, change in the mindset, and yeah, um, I really 
I think it, a lot of it also came from the national team. Okay. Um, just finding all he needed is like three goals for a game, um, making sure that they elicit some emotion in you, um, and then that's your focus. So that when you're tempted to worry about who what some so thinks in the crowd in in the middle of a game, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, these are my this is my focus. I just got to hustle hard to dive on the loose balls. Yeah. And like, yeah. Yeah. And with, with in terms of the goals, do you do they vary game to game? Do they do you go okay? This is my my free goals to hit every single game. Um, or how how do you have that conversation about what what the goal is going to be? Uh, and is it towards their strengths or is it towards what they need to develop on? What, what? I take them through. Um, how do you define a bad game? Bad. How do you define a good game? So what did that feel like? What did it look like? What did you do mm. for it to feel bad? Feel good? Um, and then it is. Um, what do you love about basketball? So trying to find, like, if it's, um, usually it's, like, aggression or yeah. it's about, like, doing, like, helping my teammates um, win, whatever. Um, they're, like, key things for me to be like, okay, now we need to have a goal in here that is that's something that elicits that, like, aggressiveness. So yeah. what is a basketball-specific goal that where you can display that? Yeah. So now that's your focus. So yeah. you're going to find that. And so by doing making that your focus yes, you'll be more likely to do it and then you're going to love it more because you've been doing it. Yeah, yes, I like that because that then creates the positive reward which creates the motivation yeah. and momentum which leads to mastery. Yeah. So it keeps you moving forward. Yeah. I really, really enjoy uh, what you just said in terms of you're asking them the questions to make sure it resonates with them, yeah. uh, which goes back to making sure you don't project. Yes. It's yes. like what resonates with the individual, what do they love, and then aligning that goal with what they love so you're continuously able to shift them from negativity to positivity yeah, yeah. that's powerful yeah because that's the thing like in in a game i did it last night okay it's so easy to fall into that negative down spiral too easy sometimes um so you need that positive focus mm. to drag you out of it at first you need to be aware that you're doing it most people aren't aware that they've missed two shots and that's why they feel like they can't play basketball. That's yeah. why their confidence is so knocked. Um, so making having the awareness around why that, that's coming up for them and then, yeah, having that refocus into yeah. positive. I think I used to distract myself a lot when I was mm, yeah. um, playing sport. I, I used to sing to myself all the time. In, Honestly, in I'd, I'd, have, I'd have a song in my head continuously. Really? Yeah. I'd be, I'd be observing, but, uh, but when, I'm, when I'm like, you know, because I played rugby or soccer, if I'm away from the action, yeah. I'd be singing. That interests me because rugby is so different to basketball because yeah. you have those away times. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know what my mind would do, but on the court, you can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's easier because there's always something going on. Yeah, so I was a, I was a back, so I played either centre or on the wing, so I'm out. So if there's a you know, if there's a scrum or, or a rook, I can, I'm just waiting. Yeah. I'm waiting. Yeah. I'm waiting. So, like, I get uh, – and, and music's played a, a big role in my life. It's helped – that's my my housemate said to me the other day, like I love how much you love music. It's like music to me really resonates with my emotion. Like it, I was listening to some love songs yesterday, and it was taking me through a journey of my like, teenage years, and like just listening to all that. It's like all these memories come back up, and I actually thought. Uh, I was going to post it yesterday. I was like, if you ever want to bring yourself out of a negative place into a top positive place, think of a song where you've been your most happiest and play it. I was like, just listen there and allow yourself to embrace that moment because I can't remember what it was song. It was just, um, uh, Killing Me Softly with your song, Strum Me In My Pain. Yeah. When I went to uh, on tour with my rugby team once, like, I stood up and just 
in front of a crowd out of nowhere just started just singing that as loud as I can and everyone just got up and started singing it with me and I was like it was just like this moment where I was just like oh my god this is awesome there's like a probably like three four hundred people around me on this big beach and I was just in a pair of speedos and I was like someone dared me to get up and just sing a song just out of nowhere just sing a song and it just like I got this like chills and stuff and I was like wow that's that's powerful so I think I was kind of distracting myself with with music in my head whenever I was like I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Just probably to prevent myself from going down that spiral. Yeah. yeah. I think, though, I think mindfulness is just a distraction. Mm. Um, we would do it before a game in some teams and it, and use it as a way to cut off, like, your day from the game because most female athletes work during the day and then play at night. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, kind of, I think it's similar. I yeah. think it's... It can't be on the court doing mindfulness. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. To be able to do that, um, to get your mind ready before a game. Yeah. It's a really um, like the mindfulness space is a really interesting space because it's it's not been built into Western mm. culture. It's you no, know, it's an Eastern kind of thing really that's been brought over. And I remember, I think when I was 16, 17, 18, started to get into sports sciences and started to look into sports psychology. And it was kind of, it was on the fringe, mm -hmm. but I was reading a book, uh, I can't remember the name of the book, the, the, the Mindful Athlete. And I think he was one of the one of the coaches of the uh, Red Bulls, at, uh, sorry, the Chicago Bulls. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he came in and kind of changed their, the philosophy of basketball yeah. to make them more mindful. Yeah. And it's powerful stuff, right? Yeah. Very powerful yeah. stuff. So, do you get? Would you get? Would you get your my your um, athletes to do mindful practice away from the court? I haven't yet. Uh, you learn. Are you learning how to teach that? Yes. Yeah. It's one of my recommendations because, just from my own experiences, I found it one of the most helpful tools. Um, and so, I would I encourage all athletes to do it. But I haven't approached the subject of teaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess you got it. If you are going to mentor people in that area, you've got to know and practice well enough yourself to yeah. to deliver that to exactly. to your athlete, right? Yeah. Good. Um, one thing I do love, though, which isn't mindfulness, but before a game, I don't know why this came to mind. Um, I once saw a sports psychologist. Yeah. And she was one I wish I'd gone to her more. You know, like I recommend every athlete to do it because it's so helpful but uh it was just so basic just how you sit before a game you know like okay. to get that testosterone flowing to get yeah. that aggressiveness and it was like up straight like hands wide on your knees like chin up you know yeah something so easy to do for at like as an athlete but can elicit that mm. Hormone response. Just hormone response and nervous system changes. Yeah. It's uh, like you know, I was talking about that book that I was reading, yes. the, the Healing Power of the Vagus Nerve. It probably comes back to some kind of something structures in the in the in the vagus nerve to do with chest is up, chins up. Yeah. It's like if you look at animals, or you know, for example, I've got a cat. Yeah. When they're ready to be aggressive, their body, they they'll prep mm -hmm. before they'll move. Yeah. But because we're we don't think of that as an instinctual thing. We've probably gone past our instincts as a human being. Yeah. We've become too conscious yeah. of what's around us. That's just coming back to that probably an instinctual thing that you potentially should do when you compete in, yeah. when you should be aggressive. It's like, you know, I saw a picture the other day of um, a cat versus an owl and the owl just had its wings just like spread out and it looked huge. And I was like, if I was a cat, I would not go anywhere near that. It's like peacocks out wide. It's like, yeah. All of a sudden, it's that dominance. It's that uh, power, power, what are they called? Power, power poses. Yeah. Have you heard of that? Uh, 
Yeah, so I think, I think there's a book or someone did a TED talk about power poses. Yeah. So before you give a speech or go on a stage, yeah. put your arms out, like Usain Bolt running through like that. It's uh -huh. like, I'm a champion. Look at me. I'm the best. So you, you can anchor that into a state of performance. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that stuff. Yeah, oh, it's great. I think it's Michael Gervais. Have you heard of him? Yeah. Get onto his stuff. He's a um, performance coach, a psychologist. With yeah. um, uh, in, in terms of looking at looking after athletes, he's got some real powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's on like, quite a few podcasts and yeah. stuff like that. I've, I, I read quite a few, uh, quite a lot of his stuff probably six months ago, um, as I started to integrate it into my my life, and I was like, He was on Impact Theory. Yes, yeah, that's, that's him. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. mindfulness. yeah. Yeah. That's it. So mindfulness, uh like vision, visualization, uh all, all these things we've talked. Do you use do you use visualization? You've used it for for a visualization in the long run. Do you use it in the in the medium or short term and before a game? I have tried uh, in the past and hadn't seen the benefits of it. Yeah. Um I'm trying now, like, you know, I do my choices, that kind of visualization. Your choices, and yeah. And interested in making them basketball specific. So yeah. I, I try to vision, envision uh, myself after a game, um, what, like, what's the end result I want for it? What no, yeah, like, yeah, what yeah, okay. I feel like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. thinking. Yeah. Um, did you do that before you did Williams work? No. Okay. No. It would be interesting to see yes. whether you use that this season over in Sydney. Yeah. Um, I'm also really interested in the end result of a shot yeah so that specific yeah okay like picturing it you can do it at a free throw a lot easier i think playing around with it um as you as you prep for the free throw so you, you i take three dribbles yeah like hearing and seeing the ball coming out of the net because i've just made it mm. and that's I'm going to play around with that. Yeah, okay. What sort of, uh, like, obviously, some people learn visually, some people learn kinesthetically through movement, some people are audible. Um, you can pick it up in language, and you've said, I see a few times. Uh, so, would, are you, you, you see things, like you say, you, you said you, you see the ball with everyone here. What do you say? Would you say your dominant one is? Do you, um, do you, or do you know that? Yeah, I do both. <laughs> kinesthetic which yeah. is through action yeah. through movement and feel uh you're audible so you'd say i hear uh and you you'd listen for sound you know how does that hit, what does that sound like and then you've got you know, visual yeah. so well, like visual, visual. Yeah. i picked that up earlier yeah. as well you said you said i i, I there's a couple of words where you said i see and i was mm -hmm. like trying to work it out mm -hmm. do you uh, is that an area that you would potentially would use then or want to go and use or yes. you currently use Mentoring. Um, the visionary. Um, um, so, just you know, if you were to have an athlete, mm -hmm. uh, do you currently try and help them become aware of whether they're audible? Oh, absolutely. Visual? Yes. Yeah. Uh, will I will? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yes. Also, really interested in their love language. Okay. Uh, How does the love language impact the game, or is that impacting the reward? Mostly, like with their teammates and their coach. Okay. Um, Good point. Because coaches obviously have a massive impact, um, and so if you're not if you're not connecting mm. with the coach, then it's mm. going to impact your performance. Going to put you going to put you on the spot here oh, for the uh, for the audience. Can you remember all five? No. <laughs> so we got uh, we'll try and work through them together. Yeah. Obviously, uh, there's gifting, which yes. is rewards, touch, yeah. uh, acts of service, yeah. words of words of affirmation, 
Come on. <laughs> There's one more. Anyway, that's four out of five. Simple minds are not going to be happy. Look, there's 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 one more. I can't remember what it is. I'll put it in the show notes. But um, I tried to bring that into uh, my my work in terms of the patient. Mm-hmm. So when you because it's relationship forming, yeah. and it's uh, it's basically being able to give people the validation and reward in the manner that they want to. Yes. And so when I'm with a patient, it's difficult to work out what their love language is. So you don't know. So I thought if I can cover all of them through their journey from when they first meet me to when they leave, mm-hmm. then potentially I'll hit mm-hmm. it in some way. So it's like, okay, well, when they buy something, give them a little gift to say thank you. Yeah. Now, make sure you say thank you. And then make sure when you say thank you, you put your hand on their shoulder and say thank you. So yeah. it's like just being aware of all of them because eventually you will hit that point and yeah. you'll hit, you'll nail it and, go, and then they'll resonate with that. Mm-hmm. That's um, just something that I've played around with to, yeah. to see whether it works. You have to be pretty observant to Yeah, 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 yeah. It, well, you can see it through body language is the biggest tell, mm. and smiles. Mm-hmm. Like you can say thank you to people, and if if word of affirmation is there, one it's like all of a sudden their body language completely changes. They'll open up, yeah. and like or you'll see a big grin, and you know it. And it's yeah. intuition as well. Yes. Like if you're introverted, I actually have an introverted intuition, mm-hmm. but I'm extroverted. Okay. So like I'm very infused, and and out. But I actually my intuition is kind of it is. Yeah. within and I, I'm not even consciously processing it yeah. which is I've discovered recently which is That's pretty like powerful the ultimate. it's uh it's great for um seeing people advising people on the decisions they're making now and how that's going to affect their future mm-hmm. That's what I think that my most powerful thing in terms of intuition is yeah. is that when I'm with someone, um, and I can see they're doing something. I can see how that's going to plan out for them yeah. and then let them know. So often people when I'm having conversations are like, ah, oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just always come, it's come naturally. I was called, um, have you ever heard of Trisha? There's a TV show called Trisha. It's a bit like a Jerry Springfield kind yeah. of, um, uh, yeah, daytime TV where couples come on, someone sits in the middle, they have an argument, and then you've got like a guy or a woman talking about their you know, their relationship. This is how this is going to plan out if you do this. I got called the nickname called Trisha, Trisha Goddard, who's a TV thing, by all the kids in school who were rough fighters, stuff like that, because I used to come in the middle when I was just about to fight. And I'd look them in the eye and say, look, if you do this, the outcome is going to be this, 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 this. And I'll turn around and say, you do this. The outcome's going to be this, and they'd be like, "Oh God, I don't want to fight anymore." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you go to the, uh, I'm the investigator and the peacekeeper on yes, the okay. on the on the watch yeah. call on the enneagram yeah. thing. Yeah, so I think that combination of both is like yeah. figuring out people why they're doing this, and then if they're making a mistake, letting them know in a manner yeah. that's keeping the peace. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I resonate with that peacekeeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it makes you a bit too agreeable. Yes. Sometimes yeah. you like you don't speak your truth, yes. um, which is something again I've battled with this year is to learn to stand up and be assertive, yeah. which is definitely going to help athletes and is probably challenging. Uh, this might be a projection challenging for female athletes when they have a male coach. Yes. Um, any oh my, yes, but any coach. Yeah. Um, any coach that yeah okay any yeah. coach really. Um, it's interesting because I'm dealing with it right now like standing up for myself and mm. having the, as an athlete, you are told what to do all the time by 
coach, by a strength and conditioning coach, and, and you just do it, or you don't do it, and you don't get far. But um, you're used to just kind of sucking it up and just doing it, no matter what, even if you're hurting. And, and there has to be a level of that, but where is the line that you need to be like, no, actually, I'm, I'm 31, and mm. I shouldn't be training like this, or... Yeah. And so I'm struggling now with speaking my truth and standing up for myself with, with coaches who you just want to please and who you're so used to just being like, yes, okay, yep, get on that line and run and even though you're hurting or whatever. Yeah. So I think all athletes struggle with that, all elite athletes. Yeah. Know how to push, um, don't know how to stop. Yeah, after yeah. Themselves. It's a great space that you you transition to. So mm-hmm. obviously you've seen it there. You've, there there's definitely, um, I mean, if I had someone like you or the, the way you're going into when I was younger, I probably think that I would have been closer to get into a professional athlete because it was all in my head that yeah. I wasn't good enough. I, 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 every time I got invited to state trials and stuff like that, everyone, man, go along, go along, go along. I'd say I was injured. Yeah. And at half time I wasn't injured just because I didn't believe that I was deserving to be there. Yeah. But then when I played like a game, I'd, yeah, I'd be at first, first in the pitch. Like vice captain because I had mates were captain. It probably wasn't captain because I didn't believe in myself, but always one of the better athletes, and everyone was always praised me. But I never believed in myself enough yeah. to. No, no, I can't. I can't go to the states and play for the states. Back home, it's called um, county. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I'm you now pleased that you're going into that, and it's yeah. going to be a good journey for you. Yeah. Um, two questions I always ask everyone on this podcast. First one is. What do you believe you need to be doing to take your performance to the next level? Hmm. I think I'm at the stage where um, I, I need to focus on why I love doing it. And that is a switch in the mindset for me from um, never being good enough and, and needing to um, like push my body and even if it shouldn't be pushed, that kind of, those kind of things, versus celebrating what my body can do, celebrating the movements that I've honed over the last 19 years of my professional career and just, like, after um, isolation, the first time was I was two months and then we got on the basketball court and that first time I was just, like, I was made for this. I'm six foot four and I'm supposed to be doing this yeah. because it feels so good yeah. and that is what I'm holding and yeah. I need it. That's going to guide me in, and I take this, like probably my last professional career. Yeah, that's, uh, um, I think that probably, again, I don't know I've been there, but I can see how that can help in your final season. Mm. It's it's just staying with that, the fact that you love it. Mm. How does that feel when you love it? Coming back, shifting that focus back to, what is this enjoyable aspect of yeah. and putting it like this is you know, the curtain call potentially yeah. Yeah. and you want to go out with your best season yeah exactly yeah and you will yes you will yeah next question final question um more of a health related question if you were to change one thing in uh, in the world to improve global health mm-hmm. what would that be that's hard You've got obviously mental health issues. We've got yeah. obesity, uh, chronic disease, uh, <laughs> even COVID. If you could change anything and think it would have the biggest impact, what would you choose? I think because I'm so interested in the mental health side of things, 
it would be talking at or helping people understand how much their mindset affects their motivation to work out to because obviously being active is going to equal being healthier mm-hmm. so why why do people think that running's or working out's hard yeah okay. or why are people so against it yeah um why do people think they need to punish their bodies to be healthy and fit mm. when kind of going back to why can't we look at it with the flip in the mindset of being of celebrating what our bodies can do and um yeah i lost my train of thought celebrating what our bodies can do and then thanking our bodies for yeah being able to do what they did for us yeah. So that's why I kind of like the yoga practice because okay. at the end it's like, thank your body for what it just allowed you to do. Yeah. So you practice yoga? Mm, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I really, I like that because um, I was the person who punished myself. Uh, I definitely use sport as a distraction. Um, as, a, as a child, a lot going on with my family breaking up and stuff. So I was always just playing sport. I was, wasn't in the house any time I could. And I look back now and go, it's because I didn't want to go home. Like yeah. I wanted to be playing sport because it was what I was good at, it's what I enjoyed. But then when I was 18, 19 and I got injured and couldn't really play sport, I went and punished myself in the gym yeah. and just like trained as hard as I can to the, through pain yeah. because I believed that I needed to suffer be, because I couldn't play that anymore. But it was also become a different distraction as well. Mm-hmm. And now I've got hip issues, shoulder issues. And I was out with two friends yesterday who were 24, 25 and trying to do, or doing a similar thing that I was doing. And I say, look, when you get to my age, 32, it's like, all my training is focusing on just not being injured. Mm-hmm. Just don't get to that point. Yeah. Look after your body now. If I knew about mobility, yoga and stuff when I was 20, 18, it made a huge different impact. Yeah. But I love how you say um, be grateful and yeah. respect or say thank you that your body can do that. Yeah. That's so powerful. It is. Um, so if there was anyone out there who wants to get in touch with you mm-hmm. for mindset coaching or to have a conversation about um, just know your story and your, just what resonate with the things we've said. Where can they contact you? Um, I have a website. It's my blog. It's just natalieburton.com.au. And on there's some blogs and some information about uh, me and then this contact Brilliant. stuff on there. Yeah. Thank you very much for, for coming on um, and for coming up this early in the morning. I don't know if you're an early riser and uh, good luck with your career over in uh, in Sydney. It's a shame that, well, it's not a shame because it's um happy that you, you're getting to do your, your final season um, and good luck with your games tonight thank you very much <laughs>